Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast. It's episode 34 of the podcast and we're live again tonight. We're totally unscripted, unrehearsed, uh, slightly unskilled and definitely uh, unhinged. Uh, it's our third live edition. If this is your first time of listening to the podcast, uh, then please subscribe to the post. Uh, excuse me, subscribe to the podcast, uh, and you can contribute tonight via the comment sections on YouTube. We would also ask you if you've enjoyed the podcast, whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, to share us on social media via Facebook, Twitter, all the usual forums. Uh, the podcast is live uh, live tonight, but it will be available to stream and download on YouTube after the live broadcast tonight. So if you've missed it, don't worry, you can pick up on it again. It will be available on all the usual platforms like Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox and Stitcher. Big breaking news tonight, just live, I was watching it before we came on air tonight, is that we have drawn Celtic in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup providing we beat Aberdeen in the replay, of course. Uh, the, the draw was taken, it took place live on the 9 tonight on the new sort of Radio Scotland, uh, sorry, BBC Scotland channel. And the tie will take place on the weekend of April the 13th or 14th. So if we beat Aberdeen at Ibrox next week, it's uh, our old pals Celtic in the semi-final. Uh, I should also give a mention of some sad news today in the Rangers family. Uh, it was announced today that Eric Caldo had passed away. Caldo, as you know, was a, was a Rangers legend. He was born in Cumnock in 1934. He made 407 appearances for the club, uh, making his debut against Air United in September 1953 under the legendary manager Bill Struth. He captained Rangers to the first European final in 1961 against Fiorentina. Uh, they lost the final 4-1 uh, on aggregate over two legs. That made him the first captain to lead out a British side in a European final. He was capped 40 times for his country, 14 of which were his captain. Uh, and when he left Rangers, he went on to play for Stirling Albion and Corby Town. During his time at Rangers, he won five league championships, two Scottish Cups and three League Cups. And he is, of course, a member of the Rangers Hall of Fame. So all uh, the sympathies from everyone here at Jersnet uh, goes to Eric Caldo's family at this very, very sad time. So on to tonight's pod, uh, two guests. I'll introduce them just now. First one that's joining us tonight is uh, Christine Somerville. How are you, Christine? I'm very well, thanks, Colin. Good, good, good. Did, were you watching the draw? Well, I was, um, but it appears that Holland seemed to get it before we did. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> should, we should point this out to anyone who's listening that uh, Pete, who I'll introduce in a second, is watching it in Germany, I think. <laughs> and he knew the draw about two minutes before we did. We were watching it live, yet he seemed to know uh, a good two or three minutes before we did, which was, which was very strange. Mm, uh, but it's a, it's a big draw. Yeah, It's a good opportunity to end this treble treble nonsense. Yep. Um, I just hope it's um, the same as 2016. And we, we end up with a, a victory. Yeah, oh, that would be nice. Uh, that would be very, very nice. Obviously, we've got to see Aberdeen off at Ibrox. Uh, a formality. Well, I don't, I don't want to be too arrogant, but hopefully back at home and on a decent pitch and all the rest of it, that, that would be the case. Uh, moving on to our next guest, Pete. How are you, Pete? Yeah, great. Now that I know I'm, I'm, I'm in front of you to hear the top news, all my, all my friends at the BBC, they've been sort of a, looking after me and sending me everything quickly. <laughs> I'm actually wondering, maybe maybe it's just Rangers supporters in Scotland that, that are sort of lagging three minutes behind in the, the live broadcast, you know what I mean? Because you're out there in, in Germany, they, they maybe don't know what team you support. But it seems very odd that someone on the other side of the, you know, the channel is, is, is getting a draw before we do when it's live. Yeah, it was a good time as well, because I was I was telling you, telling you who the teams that were getting read out, and you, you were... How do you know that? <laughs> but anyway, I, it was very strange. It was very because I, I mean, I wasn't watching it, but I could hear uh, the stream coming through from Christine. She was watching it live, and I could hear, you know, Jane Lewis blethering in the background. And then you're shouting, "No, oh, I've got Celtic!" 
And they were still talking to James McFadden, I think, when you'd said that. You know, so how the hell is he with that? But anyway, uh, moving quickly on. Uh, we'll have a wee look at yesterday's game uh, at Aberdeen, you know, Scottish Cup quarter final. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, finished 1-1. Obviously, we know it's a fixture that usually brings a lot of controversy. You know, things like Morelos, he was sent off in his last two visits to the ground. And obviously, in the last game as well, there was incident in the Rangers dressing room when Derek McInnes spat his dummy a wee bit and came in and told us to turn the music down after we'd beat them 4-2. Uh, Stevie G went with the same starting 11 that had started against Dundee, sorry, in midweek. Uh, Christine, I'll come to you first. I, would, I was a wee bit surprised, given the sort of hostile nature, you know, the fixture up at Pataudry. I thought he might have started with, with Halliday ahead of Barisic yesterday. Yeah, I kind of thought that he might do that as well because um, Barisic sometimes I don't think is up to the, the physical aspects of the game um, as much as Andy Halliday is, who would just like go in and, you know, crunch and tackles. Whereas I don't see Barisic doing that. But, um, you know, obviously he maybe felt as if he didn't do any wrong on Wednesday night and therefore decided just to go with the same team. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I think I spoke about it in the, the, the pod a couple of weeks ago that uh, in that game against Celtic, you know, when we beat them on the 29th, I, I thought Halliday set the tone that day, you know, very, very early on. And given the nature of the, 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 the fixture at, at Pataudry, it's always hostile. It's always pretty physical. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think Barisic has got that in his makeup. Certainly not yet. So I was a wee bit surprised they went with him. By the way, before before I move on, I should give a wee mention. I meant to do this at the, the, the top of the show. I should give a wee mention to our other host, Ross Bennett, who is not keeping so well. He's in hospital at the moment. So uh, all our thoughts are with him. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. Uh, and hopefully he'll be back fairly soon. Pete, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, we didn't start too well in the game yesterday. Uh, and within sort of 10 minutes, you know, Gary McKay-Steven uh, goes through and goal. Goldson catches on penalty and we're one nothing down. And you're kind of thinking, couldn't have asked for a worse start. And I've got to be honest with you, at that point, I started to fear the worst a wee bit. Yeah, well, the, the, the first five minutes, really, it was like heady football, wasn't it? They were, they were, the ball was just getting punted up. And it was getting headed back, and then Aberdeen would head it back, and that sort of went on for about the first five minutes. And getting to the goal, hot um, goals, and I've I've seen him. It, it, it makes these sort of a funny lying down decisions now and again, doesn't he? It's not the first time he's done it. And whether he he didn't realise that uh, the Aberdeen player was Mackay, what is it called, Mackay? Stephen. Yeah, yeah Mackay Stephen. Was was so near him, I, I don't know. But if if he didn't realise he was so near him, why why did he slide in? I, I, I don't understand Goldson's thinking on that one. And obviously the communication was pretty bad as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you would have to come to the conclusion the way he's came in. I think he's aware that Gary McKay Stevens there, but I don't think he's aware that he's as close as he, as, as he was. You know, I think he's sliding in in the way that you're describing to try and block Gary McKay Stephen running forward, but McKay Stephen's further forward than he thinks, so he ends up catching him. I, I mean, I hate to admit it, but I think it's a slow baller. I mean, the guy I watched the game with was sort of going down the road, he's saying, "Oh, he didn't mean it, so how can it be a penalty?" But you know, he's caught him, and whether he's meant it or not, I, I think it's a, I think it's a penalty, and. I also think McGregor should have saved it. You know, he's got a good hand to it. I, I think he could have kept it out. Yeah, it's one of the ones if he was maybe a a couple inches further into the corner, he would might have he did get a good hand to it, but I think it was the top of his fingers that hit and which just pushed into the top of the net instead of wore down. But I I mean, yeah, I don't think you can blame McGregor for that one. Oh, no, no, I'm I'm not I'm not blaming him for the goal, but I I, I think I think he saw his reaction. You know, well, it was angry, that's for he sure. He was angry, you know. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I nearly got that. I think he felt he had it and just never had quite strong enough a hand on it. Because when 
when Cosgrove first struck the ball and you saw McGregor going the right way, I, I thought, oh, he's read this, he saved it. Uh, but it wasn't to be. Uh, Christine. I, I, sorry, but you know, I think that was the only flat bit of ground in the whole park at the, at the, <laughs> at the end of it. Aye, well, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Christine, it was, a, it was a bit of a tough day for Morelos yesterday. He looked kind of well off the pace. Uh, he was booked early on for diving, which I think was the correct decision. But overall, his, his general treatment yesterday at Pataudra, yet again, you know, you know the sort of physical nature, the, the the sort of tackles that are dished out on him, you know, the kicks and all the rest of it. Not to mention the the the, the golden for the crowd and the banner, you know, the, the banner that, that sort of mocked his mum a wee bit in a, in a very unpleasant way. It's all getting a bit out of hand, isn't it? I thought it was absolutely appalling, to be honest, Colin. I really did. Um, I didn't see the banner at the on the telly or anything like that. Probably wouldn't have understood it anyway, as I don't speak Spanish. Um, but, you know, I thought that was really terrible. And the lack of condemnation in the press is beyond belief. If that had been any other player... If that had been in English against some other player, mother, I think there would have been a lot said about it in the newspapers. But just generally, I mean, you would think going by from what the, the referee gave and didn't give, that only one foul was uh, committed against Morelos yesterday. Because I think he only got the decision once, every single yeah. time. He was getting held back constantly and all of a sudden it's a foul the other way. And you're thinking, and he was, luckily, he was laughing about it. And you know the penalty, okay, I think he did, he, he did dive, but he was caught. Yeah. Uh, was, you know, there I, was it was minimal. And I don't think enough for him to go down. So, you know, probably a booking was the, the right um, decision. But, um, you know, it works both ways as well. And I know the Aberdeen guy got done as well for simulation, but I just thought the whole treatment of, of Morelos was, was awful. I mean, I, I, he did I, I have think... a quiet game, but perhaps because of that booking, you know, he's maybe realised, I need to completely watch what I'm doing. So yeah, when you're like uh... that, especially if you played the way he does, he's just not got the edge yeah. that he normally uh... has because he's worried about getting a second booking. I, I thought, I, I, I would say there was an argument to say that that's, possibly his poorest performance of the season so far. I just think he looked well off it. And, and this sort of vilification of him, this constant negative media attention, you know, despite the, all the plus side, I mean, the amount of goals that he scored, his general play, you know, the, the, the focus is on... The, and, and he doesn't do anything that bad, to be fair. You know what I mean? He doesn't cripple players. You know, it's just petulant flicks and kicks and you know, barges and stuff like that. Uh, Ian Duff, I don't know if you know Ian Duff. Uh, he used to be a journalist up here with Evening Times, I think. Uh, he edits a magazine down south now on camping. Uh, he he posted a good thread on Twitter about everything that's going on with uh, Alfredo Morelos at the moment. If you get the opportunity, I would read it because he, he makes some really, really, really good points about this whole business around Morelos. So if if you get the chance, I would read it and, and give it a like yeah. or a retweet. It's it's been getting shared quite a lot. Uh, Pete, uh, the the after after the you know the penalty, we're one hand down, and Aberdeen really you know I felt for about twenty minutes, half an hour. After that goal, we we looked like we were on the the ropes big time. You know, Aberdeen had one or two really really good chances, and I I honestly felt we were in real danger of going two down and maybe going two 0 down going in at half time. And at that, if if that did happen, you know, we we could have been in bother then. Yeah, well, the way we were playing, Aberdeen were first to every ball. Um, they 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 played a lot higher tempo than we played. We just seemed to be, yeah, they had lead in our boots. It was completely different to from against Dundee. Uh, we just seemed to be slow, sluggish. And, yeah, if, I think if we had went two down, I don't think we could have complained and uh, the way we were playing. And as you say, it would have put us in real trouble. Can I just go back in the Morelos thing once? I don't know yeah. what you... 
I don't know whether you seen sports scene last night, no. but see, see, see when Arfield get get brought down, the commentator yeah. the commentator started shouting. Kamara ran towards Arfield because the an Aberdeen player pushed actually pushed Arfield when he was on the ground. Yeah, and Kamara intervened. And Kamara ran towards him, and the commentator shouting, "Why the heck is Morelos getting involved? Why is Morelos getting involved?" And the thing was, Morelos was actually just standing trying to calm everybody down. Yeah, I know, and that's that's the whole point, you know. That you know, we really are at a stage where, you know, the guy can't do right for doing wrong. Nothing he does is good enough, you know. Just focus on this. But I think he's some of the the real nasty characters that have been in our game, and I would include someone like you know Neil Lennon and that. You know, some of the stuff that he's you know said and done in the past has been pretty nasty. And it was always, you know, nice guy Lenny, poor Neil, and all this kind of stuff. Oh, the treatment he gets for, for supporters and all the rest of it. This is exactly the same. You know, Morelos, Morelos has went on record recently. I think he'd done a, an interview uh, back in Colombia and saying that he was sort of looking, sort of confirmed that he was looking to play in the Premiership. But he also made a comment about he, he doesn't cross the front door often because he gets so much abuse from Celtic fans when he's out and about. You know, why is that not getting picked up? Why is why is this sort of stuff? If that was the other way around, you know, I always try and flip things and say, how would it be if it was, you know, the other way around, if this was happening to a Celtic player or some someone else? That would that would be, you know, top billing, back page, top headline. You know, this guy's getting so much abuse he can't cross his front door. But with Morelos, it, it's the other way. It's it's he's the, he's the problem. You know what I mean? And I find that. I find it quite worrying. It's quite disturbing. You know, it's, it's reaching a, a stage where you really are questioning the motives of some of the people making the comments here. Yeah, we're trying... I've heard it been said they're trying to keep the price down. They're frightened in case Rangers get a, a decent price for them. Well, well, there's maybe something in that. I don't know. But it, I find it quite disturbing. I really do. It's, it, You know, I know he's... he's he has a player that plays on the edge, but he, he's nowhere near the reputation that he's he's gained up here, you know. And it's happened previously. I mean, Graham Souness came up here. Yeah, I'm sure Graham Souness is on record as saying he was never sent off in his whole career uh, in, in England, you know. Came up the road in, in his first season. It was like three red cards, you know what I mean? So it's happened before, and, and, and I, I think it's I think it's quite uh, distasteful. Uh, Christine... Uh, as talking to Pete there saying that you know we really really struggled in the in the first half but we had two we actually did towards the end make two really really good chances there was one Kent broke away and he was sort of clean through I thought he was a wee bit wasteful with his effort on goal with that one I'm just trying to I'm, I'm trying to think Colin was that the one that he, went, he sort of broke on the left-hand side. It broke to Arfield, yeah. No, it? no, the, the Arfield one was, was later on. Arfield right. sort of dinked it inside and gave it to Tav. And Tav yeah. should have shot, and then yeah. he's tried to yeah. set up Morelos. But Kent, he got put through sort of, sort of 35 minutes into the game or something. The ball got put over the top. He was sort of clean through, but sort of to the left-hand side of the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he sort of, he just tried this shot, and it was shot. neither a shot nor a cross yeah. nor a... You know, and it was just it was just quite frustrating. We used to call it a blooter. <laughs> no, I, I think, would, I, yeah, I, th- I was know, calling it something else at the time, Pete. <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, sometimes, um, see when we're trying to walk the ball into the net, I'm desperate for them to look just have a shot, a shot. just try it um, instead of this passing it about and you know to make sure that we score and we don't always score so. Probably I, I, was a wee I, bit of a waste, but hey ho. I thought that. I thought that's what happened with the Tav one. You know that that wee bit of audacious skill for Arfield. You know it's went over his head. He's took one touch, dinked it inside the the fullback, took took the fullback out of the game. He's got to get a ticket to but to, to buy himself back in, and lays it up for Tav just at the edge of the box. And you're thinking, hit it, just hit it, and he he just. That tried to dink it on to Morelos and I can't mind if it was Considine. I can't remember who came in, but somebody came in and cleared it. And it's that thing that you're talking about. And I think Gerard's mentioned it as well that he feels that players are not shooting from distance enough, you know, and 
Uh, that frustrated me yesterday because I think if Tav had, had taken a shot, it would have been one each. Mm-hmm. If you look at that, Colin, that, that shot, I think he was he was frightened to take it with his left foot. And if you think back to the Dundee game, the goal he scored was actually very, very like it. But there he had time to turn around and, and get it on his his right foot. Yeah. Whereas now he was completely on his left foot, and I think that's why he didn't dare to do it. I have to say it's a bit of a bugbear with me. Even professional footballers won't use their so-called lesser foot. I, I, I just think if you're training all day, every day, you should be doing enough to get your... I mean, I understand that someone will always have a foot that they're more comfortable with, but someone that's getting paid very, very handsomely from that won't take a shot with their, their, their weaker foot because they, they think it's so bad. I, I, that's a bugbear of mine. I hate that. I think these boys are in there often enough. They should they could be working on that. But anyway, on to, on to the, the, the sort of... Got to half-time, still 1-0. I was a wee bit thankful, to be honest with you. Uh, still in it. Hopefully Stevie G can have a word, get a reaction. <sighs> Christine, what you were saying earlier on about the, the fouls on Morelos, there was one really early on in the first half when he was he was sort of pulled at the edge of the box, and again, no foul. You know what I mean? And, and yep. it, it all comes back to this. Well, I think it is anyway. I think it's linked to the the sort of image that's, that's sort of bestowed upon him by the media. But eventually, we get the corner. Pete, I thought it was quite a well worked corner. I, I thought it looked like something that had came through the training grounds. You know, Warrell went from the near post to the back post. Someone blocked a run of San Cosgrove, who was marking him, allowing Warrell just to tap it in. I, I, I was quite impressed with His own but, player actually um, got, in, got in his road. I noticed that tonight. All right. I, was going, I was going to watch the game again, and then I realised I had um, deleted it by mistake and kept sports scene. I meant to do it the other way around. So mm-hmm. um, I watched sports scene, but you could actually see that it was the, the Aberdeen player. It was Ferguson that done it. Well, oh well, maybe. Oh well. <laughs> maybe he did that. He's maybe he's maybe putting in his application for uh, his move. I was I was oh, going to say maybe maybe it's another assist for a Ferguson for Rangers. That's it. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think you always. I mean, moves like that. You know, you see them trying it quite a lot. You know, someone at the front post running round to the back post. You know, if there's if there's enough traffic in there then you can. You can lose your marker. And I always think it's quite good to see something that's obviously been worked on in the training ground coming off. I think it's got to be said, though, the, the amount of skill it took for Warrell to put it in. I mean, it was really a a striker's goal. Yeah. A city of centre-half. You expect a centre-half from that distance to sort of blitter it over the bar. There's that <laughs> word again. <laughs> but, um, no, no I he don't... took it well. He took it well. He just placed it. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Christine, there was a couple of incidents after. I mean, Aberdeen sort of, I think overall they had slightly the better chances. You know, there was a couple of good saves from McGregor. I think Ryan Jack had a clearance off the line. You know, yeah, there, was, we all, there were a couple of looked... occasions where it was like Bagatelle, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, where it was pop pouncing off each, um, each player. Um, and, and, it's, and it's no use for the ticker when it's like that, you know what I mean? Equally, we could have, you know, had we had a couple of great opportunities on the break. Yeah, that, that, that's the point I was coming we to. I, I, I think... Big I thought, for I, I, <laughs> I thought we looked threatening on the counter. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, as much as we were taking a wee bit of a, a pounding at times, I thought we looked quite resilient. You know, we defended fairly well. And every now and again, when Aberdeen overcommitted, we got away. But there was two incidents, one with Morelos and one with Candias, where they were through and goal and they both got caught offside. When if they look up and look along the line, mm-hmm. you know, again, going on about people not being able to shoot with their left foot or whatever, I think for a professional footballer in that situation to get caught offside, it was criminal. I would, the air was blue in my house when that happened, honestly. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a wee bit frustrating, but um, I mean, I don't know. I've never been in that kind of situation where you're, I suppose, you're kind of momentum and you're adrenaline's driving you forward but it's um it's yeah it's frustrating to to watch when you see that flag going up oh that's especially i think the one way with morelos he was in a really really good position and he you was. would you would you mm-hmm. would fancy him to score you mm-hmm. know what i mean and for him just to all he needed to do was check his run a wee bit i just found mm-hmm. it quite frustrating 
Uh, yeah, and and actually the Candace one, I think, went into the net, didn't it? Did it? I, I was it probably did. too busy shouting at the telly no, because the flag went up. <laughs> but then, who, who knows, if the flag hadn't been up, the keeper could have saved it. So yeah, it's just nah, but it's not, I, I just, uh, these are the kind of things that I find, you know, again, going back to this, you know, professional football players and stuff like that. And I know they're human, and I know they're capable of mistakes, and I get that, but ones like that just seem really annoying and really simple ones to avoid. Uh, but, oh, hey it is what it is, I suppose. Uh, Pete, there was another player booked yesterday for simulation other than uh, Morelos, and it was Conor McLennan for Aberdeen. Uh, now, during one of the uh, sort of forays up the park when we were you know, counter-attacking, he, he tried to wipe out Candias and failed. Right. And we got the we got the shot away and going on and the, the rest of it, but surely play should have been pulled back and McLennan should have been booked for that. And yeah, it's well, again, it's a red card. Yeah, well, as you should say, get booked, booked for the simulation and then uh, everybody seems to be talking these days about if Candias wouldn't have went down, he would have got a red card. Well, they, I mean, you, you even hear that, and there was a couple of penalty shouts, and they said, well, if he'd have went down, he would have got a red card and a penalty. But the thing is, you don't shouldn't have to go down. If, if the guy's holding your shirt, or the guy, it's, it's a penalty. Yeah. Because, I mean, look at Morelos. He did go down, and he got booked. But if the referee had seen that McKenna was hold, was pulling his arm virtually for about the, the first 30 seconds before that, then it should have really been a penalty. But the, the, they seem to be going this route now that you've got to go down to get, to get a red card or a penalty. And it, it shouldn't be like that. And that McClellan, McClellan should have been sent off, that's for sure. It should have been pulled back and it should have been sent off. Well, I think that I, I, I agree with you, Pete. The, the, the thing that annoys me, see when, see when like your media commentators, like your people who are vilifying Morelos at the moment, for example, when they have a go at people that get involved in simulating and diving and all that kind of thing, right? Do they, do they not understand that if they stay in their feet, they're not going to get the fill? If, if that's a typical example of what happens if a player tries to be, to, to be an inverted commas, honest, Stay in his feet and play on, even although he has been filled. And the tackle on Candias yesterday was a shocker. The boy, the boy never tried to play the ball. He just tried to wipe him out. So I don't understand this narrative that oh, players shouldn't, they shouldn't dive, they shouldn't get involved in this. If, if they can't see that if players don't go down, they don't get the fill because referees only going to give the fill or book the player. That would encourage a player. That encourages players to think, well, I need to go down. So that, that that's that's the problem. If referees only going to give fouls unless the player goes down, then you're going to get players that are going to dive and, and try and win fouls. I think it's quite interesting, Colin, that after um, you know you, what you were saying about uh, Eric Caldo at the beginning of the the show, um, that in over four hundred appearances he was never ever booked once. Is which yeah. is an absolutely remarkable for a, um, a defender. He was a fullback. Yeah, yeah. It was a different era, but I, I think it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, they, they all go on about Gary Lanaker, uh, yeah. never been booked, but he's a striker, and arguably it's 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 easier as a striker to avoid bookings, you know what I mean? Because you're, you're, you tend to be the player that's getting fouled rather than the player that's doing the fouling. Yeah. Uh, you know, and strikers tend to get booked for more mouthy things, you know, arguing with referees and stuff like that. So for a defender, for a fullback to play 407 times for a for Rangers and and, and no be booked, yeah, that's that's. I know, I know you're right. It was a different age, a different era, but it's still that's an impressive record. Hello. Anyway, right. Uh, coming back to you, Christine. In terms of the the reaction, there was there was no see see the tackle by McLennan. You know, talk about this trial be sports scene stuff. There was no mention of the tackle. You know what I mean in the sort of in the, in the analysis after the game, and there was no sort of canvassing of getting the the compliance officer involved. You know, to take retrospective action against McLennan. Now we've seen it a few times this season when players in a blue jersey have done certain things 
you know, when we when we go back to the studio and Sutton's there and Stephen Cragen's there, you know, they, they always ask the question, well, maybe the compliance officer will take a look at this. None of that yesterday. Well, I, th- I think you, you the most important words you said uh, there, Colm, were in a blue jersey. Because it seems to be, there seems to be rules for us that don't apply to any Others. other teams. Yeah. Um, and it's not been paranoid or anything like that because we've seen it so often. I mean, well, Craigan yesterday, Craigan wasn't even, you know, it was just blatant, some of the stuff that he was coming away with. Uh, he wasn't even trying to hide, you know, his delight when, I mean, when Morelos got booked, he was practically celebrating, you know what I mean? Oh, you'll need to be careful now and all that nonsense. You know, really trying to manufacture controversy. But I, I just feel that a lot of this manufactured controversy is, is, is one-way traffic. I don't see it when other teams play, you know what I mean? I don't see the same level of scrutiny on players' tackles or conduct, supporters' banners. I mean, the amount of sort of criticism that the Rangers supporters got for the, the banner at Hamilton with Steve McLaren, you know, compared to the banner yesterday for Alfredo Morelos in the, in the Aberdeen end. You know, it does seem to be one-way traffic a wee bit, and that, I think that's what we all find frustrating. Yeah, but Colin, really, I mean, look, taking away the, the sort of, a, the, it seems to be happening to the Rangers thing, but do we really want tackles like that to, to get in front of the compliance officer? Should it really, I mean, Okay, he tried. He did try to take him out, but I think uh, the, the compliance officer are getting involved with with things like that. I, I mean, it's really childish, really, isn't it? I, I, I don't agree with that. But I mean, I still I still don't think the compli- compliance officer should get involved in a McGregor one. I just think that this compliance officer thing it just seems to be getting used too often now. Aye, on certain teams. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, there's there's one team in that in in, in the SPFL that. Has never the, the, the compliance officer has never darkened their door. I think with, the, with this whole issue of the compliance officer, I think we've discussed on the point before. You know, you're going into the realms of re-refereeing the game, and and that's the main issue. I would I would rather that there wasn't a compliance officer. It's just the referee makes the decisions, and what happens happens. But when you have got a system with a compliance officer, then it needs to be consistent. You know, you have to see the same types of tackles getting pulled up for the compliance officer on a weekly basis. Now, the one with McGregor, as I, as I said previously in the, on, on the pod, I think he went to do Ferguson. I think he went in studs up. And if the referee had, well, the referee did see it, but if he decided to take action, then I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd, if he'd went with a red. The, the ban wasn't the issue. It was how the ban came about. It was the fact that the... the, the the compliance officer got involved, even though the referee had seen it. And it, it, then a week later, you see Scott Brown getting away with one. Uh, was it Hamilton? I can't remember where it was. You know, he he got away with one. You know, a week later, that was very similar. Oh, it was Kilmarnock. Sorry, it was on uh, Jones, the, the boy Jones that's coming to Rangers. You know, similar tackles, and the compliance officer does not get involved. That one yesterday. I know you're sort of playing it down a wee bit, Pete, but. There was no attempt to play the ball. He just, you know, if he'd if he'd have caught him right, he was he was he was taking him out of the game. I'm certainly not putting the tackle down, Colin. I mean, I think it, it probably a straight red uh, without yeah. without a yellow. It would have been, been a straight red. I would, uh, yeah. I would maybe agree with that. You know, if he'd have caught him right, it, there would have been every argument to say it was a straight red. But yeah. the referee didn't take any action, and yeah, we're seeing no sort of. You know, canvassing of you know the compliance officers you get involved and maybe have a wee look at that. None of that. Whereas, you know, as I've said previously and as we've experienced, you know, I think we've had nine players cited now with the compliance officer. Yeah. When it's a player in a blue jersey, it, it seems to be a different a different case altogether. However, we'll we'll move on. Uh, Christine, there was there was an incident in the last sort of minute of the game. It looked like a blatant handball to me. I think it was Constantine. It actually looked like it. It looked quite similar to the Kurt Broadfoot one at Kilmarnock when we got we got the penalty in the, in the cup game there. Did you I think it was a penalty? I have, to, I have to hold my hands up and say I honestly didn't see it, and I don't. Oh, know you're no, you're no Dana Narsen Wenger on me, are you? Chrissy? I think I might. Do you know something? I think I might have at that point had my my face covered with my hands because I was <laughs> getting, I was getting so excited. I, didn't actually see it and I went on oh, that's was it shown in the BBC? 
No, and that's another no. point. I was going. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was no real mention of it in the analysis. It just because, sort of disappeared. Yeah, well, I read. Can I come in on that? Because uh-huh. ah, come on, that wasn't a penalty. The 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 the, the ball was. With the, it was hit about a yard away from him, two yards away from him, and it was really hard. There was no way he could. His hands were down quite low. I mean, it wasn't as if he'd stick his hands up in the air. Nah, I, I, I think if we're looking for penalties with it for that, then uh, I think we're batting up the wrong tree. <gasps> Shocking. Shocking, Michael. I know. It's that all about it. Traitor. <laughs> Anyway. If that was again, I always look at it the way. What would I think if that a Rangers player that a penalty was given against Rangers? And I would, be, I would have been furious if a Rangers get a penalty against us for that. Oh well, that's very, very honest of you, Pete. Right, wrapping this one up uh, for the Aberdeen game. Obviously, it goes to a replay. Now, uh, I've seen a few Aberdeen fans crowing about, you know, that they'll get. Tournament rules for the Scottish Cup dictate that the away side are entitled to twenty percent of the the full capacity of the the home club stadium. So they're talking about bringing, you know, I think it was about ten thousand. They were bragging about bringing down. <laughs> now they couldn't even get that to turn up at their own stadium. I know. I there was a few empty seats yesterday. I I did sort of notice that. But there's also Aberdeen came out with a bit of a shitey excuse. We never got twenty percent of their allocation. We were entitled to 4,000 tickets. They only gave us 2,000. So surely, you know, surely Rangers just turn around and say, well, well, you know, because I'm sure Aberdeen cited health and safety as the reason that they couldn't give us 4,000. Surely that's what we do here, no? Absolutely. I'll be furious if they get out their full allocation. But they won't take their full allocation because there's no way they could fill that. No, no. Well, it'll, be, it'll probably be an inconvenient time, will it not? You know? Tuesday night, half seven, mm. live in the telly. But no, do you it's think not Pete... on the telly. It's certainly not in the telly. Well, what, should, what, what should they normally get? Will they get the, the, the bottom of the... What would they normally get? Well, they would normally get their 800 in the corner. No, but if it, for a cup game, say there's 50,000, they're, they're due 20% of that. Would, yeah. they have to, would they have to shut a full stand for, for Rangers, uh, for them? No, I think they would get... I think it would be the... Probably about. I will actually no, it would be because seven thousand is a broomy, isn't it? So I it could be like one end of the ground, but as Christine said, there's no they they would never fill the broomy. No, well, I think that's the thing. I think I think Rangers should should throw up the same excuse. We can't segregate. You're only bringing so many thousand supporters. We can't we can't guarantee their safety. So we'll stick eight hundred and fifty of you in the corner. In the corner. Yeah. Aye. I'm up for that. Uh, I mean, th- I mean the nonsense that they came out with for hours. And and when you look at it, you know they they couldn't sell the ground. They couldn't sell their own allocation. So they could have got another two thousand punters on the ground if they'd given us the four thousand allocation. But I suppose it's just Aberdeen being Aberdeen. So they're building a new they're building a new stadium in Greenland. There's probably more cows getting that field than they will get supporters. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. But I, I mean, for for a game, I found it quite strange that you know it's been sort of dubbed as a big rivalry and all the rest of it. To see that home support yesterday, there was empty seats everywhere. See the the, the footage behind the goal when Joe Worrell scored his equaliser. There was footage behind the goal, and as he ran away to celebrate, you could see that big stand behind the goal. You know the big yep. new sta- newish stand that they've got behind the goal. The whole top tier was empty. Not a soul in it. You know what I mean? So for them to think that they could bring 10,000 down to Glasgow on a Tuesday night and is, is laughable, really. But anyway, right, moving on. Uh, are we feeling confident about next week? Do you think we'll get through, get to the semi-final where they're separated brethren await us? Yes. Pete? No, I, I hope so. But we certainly need to play better than we played uh, yesterday. Um, and our, yeah, Saturday, sorry. Was it Saturday or yesterday? I've yesterday. Worst count of days now. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the, I think the disappointing thing was the way the midfield's been playing recently. And Ryan Jack seemed to have his, his worst, game, worst game in a Rangers shirt. Yeah, undoubtedly. I thought but, he was terrible yesterday. And the last wee while, he's been having his best games in a Rangers shirt. Yeah. So that was that was pretty disappointing. I thought Kamara come on to a game in the second half. And he just shows his class, that guy. He's a really... 
he's going to be a great player for us. Yeah, I've been really impressed yeah. with him. Yeah, in all the games that he's played so far, I really have. He's yeah. just made the difference in that midfield, I think. And I, I would go back to, to the, the one of the first topics that we were talking about, Barisic or... Um, God, his name's Halliday. even... Yeah, Halliday. Um, going back to that discussion, Ariel, I think, whether, I think Barisic is a far better player, but I seem to think that Halliday fills up the midfield more. Barisic tries to go down the left wing a lot, but Halliday, he seems to cover the midfield runners a lot more. And I think against Aberdeen... We need more of that and less of what Barisic offers. Well, I'm a Barisic fan. So I think I think since he's came back from injury, Barisic's performance levels have dipped quite quite considerably, uh, and he looks a little bit timid for my liking. You know, Scottish football is what it is. It can be a bit physical. It can be a bit rough and tumble, and especially games at Petardry. You know, you know there's certain grounds you you go to. You know, you're in for a fight and. I just thought maybe that kind of environment would have suited Halliday a wee bit better yesterday than Barisic. But, you know, we've got to trust Mr Gerrard with the decisions. You know, I mean, I know we're, we're eight points behind in the league and all the rest of it, but you would have to say that the performance levels overall this season have improved, the European run and all the rest of it. So, have to put, you know, our faith in them, but I, I thought Halliday would have been a better option yesterday at left-back. Anyway, right, we'll wrap that up uh, for the Aberdeen game. We'll do a wee quick squint at the Dundee game. I never made the Dundee, Dundee game last week. Um, a wee boy, uh, he's he's in second year and he's at that stage where he has to make his choices, you know, for his national fours and national fives. Now, it used to be all grades when I was a boy, but it's all changed now. So I was at his high school at a sort of parents' night discussing all that. So I missed the game on Wednesday night there. Seemed fairly Actually, routine. No. I know, shocking, isn't it, Christine? Putting family first, I know. I, I, I genuinely feel ashamed of myself. Hang my head in shame. But uh, it seemed, you know, I was a wee bit gutted because I missed Kamara's first goal. You know, he scored after four minutes. Uh, Tavernier made it two after eight minutes. Morelos made it three after 23 minutes, you know, and we're home and host. And I think that level of performance, you know, in the, in the previous games against Kilmarnock uh, and was it Hamilton, you know, we'd scored took the 10 goals in those two games and then the four goals against Dundee, you know, motoring and then the performance just as he sort of brought it down a wee bit. There was a wee hint of things though, you know, that inconsistency thing because Stevie G seemed really upped by the second half performance against Dundee, Christine. You know, I, I just think he feels that when we play well, we can beat anybody, but we don't reach those levels consistently enough. I think we just took our foot off the gas, to be honest, Colin, against Dundee. I mean, we were 3-0 up at half-time, um, absolutely cruising the game. Um, I think psycholo psychologically, players must, if they know that that's it, they, maybe they're not, without even trying, but, you know, would you risk, you know, doing something... Um, if there was a risk of injury, for instance, when you've got another big game coming up at the weekend, you might think, I'll just keep myself in check here and not do too much. I don't know. I'm saying that. There's no reason to. I, I, yeah, I, suppose I, when, I suppose when you go 3 nothing up, you know, you do kind of think, you know, at half-time, if you're 3 nothing up at half-time, you think the game's done, then it becomes about game management, I suppose. Yeah. Most times I go to the football, if there's three or four goals in the first half, it's an absolute certainty that the second half will have nothing. You know, mm -hmm. it'll just be 45 minutes of playing the game out. But yeah. I just kind of wonder if, if, if Gerard was sort of hinting at a bigger thing, you know, that, that just those performance levels dipping too much. I don't mm -hmm. know. But uh, he certainly seemed up by it. The, only thing, that, the only thing that I can say is that, um, I mean, I know we're still eight points behind. We have to play them twice. You know, you never know. Goal difference could still come, come into in, yeah. it. So yeah. I think when you know when we were being a lot at half time, you're kind of thinking, well, we could really, really go for do six or seven here. An awful yeah. lot of good this yeah. half, um, but it just never happened, unfortunately. To be fair, we've done the goal difference quite. Yeah, we have. Uh, you know, over the last three games, fourteen goals, none conceded. We've 
we've certainly helped in that front over the last three games. We, need, we just need to start eating into the points, and then, as you say, mm. you never know. What were you going to say there, Pete? You came in there. I think you've got to remember there's two teams in the park. No, it's, it's not just it's not just Rangers. And I think Dundee came out, and I was really surprised at how open they were for the in the first half, really, because I was expecting a far more defensive performance from them. And I think in the second half, they did go far more defensive and, and shut closed down far quicker. And plus the fact we, we they took off Arfield early, which I think made a big difference because our Arfield was actually blazing in the first half. He was absolutely brilliant. Some of the one stuff, one touch stuff he was doing was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, as I say, I think you've got to remember there's two teams in the park and it's, it's not just... Rangers may have taken their foot off the gas, but I think you've got to remember there's two teams in the park. And what, what Dundee did, I think they, they, they shut us down a lot quicker. That's a fair point. I mean, I think a lot of supporters do fall into the, the trap of turning up and just saying, right, win. You know, so that, that's a valid point. So, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, the four made it 4-0 after like a minute to go, 89 minutes. You know, job was done and dusted. Pete, there was uh, Kenny Miller came on. Apparently, he nearly scored. Uh, as I said, I wasn't there, but I was looking at the match report, and you know, it said he, he nearly scored for Dundee. Apparently, when he came on, he received a round of applause. Now, I noticed this caused a wee bit of a stushy on Twitter. Or, you know, some Rangers fans saying, "Why are you applauding that?" So and so, and all the rest of it. I have to say, I don't really get this dislike or hatred of. Kenny Miller, uh, I thought he served Rangers well. I know he played over the road and all the rest of it, but I thought he served Rangers with dis- distinction when he was at Ibrox. I know it ended a bit surly, but surely you just judge the boy and sorry, judge the boy and what he done in the park. No, I'm I'm in the same boat as you, you Colin. I don't understand it either, really. I mean, he's been a great servant for us. He's scored goals. Uh, he's, he's he's he plays his heart out. Um, just, I, I suppose it's because that one time that he started pumping the badge or whatever it does when he scored for Celtic. I suppose that's one thing that that gets in his uh, gets support some supporters' wick. But no, I'm I'm with you in that one. I I really don't understand why uh, why there's so much animosity against them. Christine, would you think about the whole Kenny Miller thing? Well, I mean, I didn't applaud him. Uh, come on, <sighs> come on. Um, but I don't have a problem if anybody wanted to. I think it's up to individuals. Um, I liked him as a player. Didn't like the fact that he, did you say the, you know, the dump in the chest at Celtic. That I always remembered that. But he did score an awful lot of goals for us. And overall, I think he scored an awful lot of goals for us against them. Yes, you know what I mean, he pumped, um, so, he pumped, he pumped, he pumped I, the chest in your jersey a lot more times than he done it for them. That's for sure. It it certainly did, and I, I really don't have a problem. I mean, I know I've got a friend who doesn't even recognise uh, goals that he scored because he played for them. You know, okay. if he won two so, one, so it would be if, a 1-8 draw. If, if, so if you were to take Kenny Miller's goals away from, you know, particularly when he was there the second time under Walter mm. Smith and he won three titles in a row, yeah. if you were to take Kenny Miller's goals away and, you know, and, and a, a win becomes a draw and a draw becomes a defeat, yeah. would we have no, won the that, title? That is, that's the extreme isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that is really a bit extreme. extreme. But, um, uh, you know, there's but... a, a lot of players that appreciated what he did for us. Um, sorry, a lot of fans appreciated what he did for us. And um, I still think it's a shame what happened. So I don't think we'll ever really get the the full story coming. Story, yeah. But, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm fully under the impression that, that, that Kenny Miller's a bit of an arrogant so-and-so. You know what I mean? But as I said... I don't have to deal with a guy on a personal basis. I just need to watch him when he played for Rangers, and I thought mm-hmm. he'd, I thought he done well for us. And yeah. I just don't get this. I, I've seen it with a few players. Barry Ferguson gets it. Uh, it always seems to be Scottish boys, you know, for some reason. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, all the, all the foreign boys. You know, I see people interacting with Marco Negri, Negri on Twitter. Oh, Marco, you were so good. I thought he was a fraud at Ibrox, a total fraud. You know what I mean? He scored fifty goals and. 10 games and then hurt his eye and we never seen him again. You know what I mean? And yeah. and something if, if you were to ask me who I would rather have in the team, Kenny Miller or Marco Negri, I think there's only one answer for me, but you know, I suppose it is what it is. 
Uh, moving on, there was, there was oh, a, can I come in? Sorry for a second. When you come, Pete, and you come. What would what would happen if the likes of McGregor of Celtic, who I think we can all agree is one of the best midfielders, what would happen if he went down to England for six months, didn't hit it off, and wanted to come back up the road, and Rangers were interested in him? What would Rangers supporters think about that? Oh, well, we've uh, we've not been here. We've been here with Morris Johnson, and we've been here with Kenny Miller. You know, I, I can remember, and I've got to be honest, I'll hold my hands up here. I didn't want Kenny Miller to come back. I, for one reason, I didn't think he was a good enough football player. You know, I thought his touch was poor. I thought he was a bit erratic. I thought he was a wee bit overrated. But he proved me wrong. And you know something, when he, when he scored the two goals at Celtic Park, his first game back against him, any preconceptions of me thinking that Kenny Miller wasn't good enough for Rangers were out the window. So I think any player that comes back, you know, it's the same way, I mean, if you go back six years ago when all the financial stuff kicked off and Rangers got punted in into the third division, if anyone had said then after Alan McGregor had left, oh, Alan McGregor's coming back, you know, Rangers fans would not have accepted that. And the same with Davis and, the, you know, the, the, the alpha one in this situation is Stevie Naismith. No, if Stevie Naismith was to come back, there would be a lot of supporters angry. See the minute he put the ball in the net against Celtic, 90% of them would be turned like that. You know what I mean? And that would be it. The football fans, I think, uh, are by nature quite fickle. So I think if McGregor was to come up here, you know, that situation you're describing, if he started playing well for Rangers, I don't think anybody would bother. No, I, could, I think I agree with you that. And I think Rangers have just got to go for the best players we can get, the own proof team. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, but moving on, I'll sort of try and tie things up here now, sort of conscious of time. Uh, there was a wee issue with the, the Union Bears on Wednesday, on Wednesday against Dundee. I wasn't there. I don't really know the full story. I read the statement that they issued, and it's to do with this safe standing thing. So I thought we would have a wee look at that. Uh, Christine, I'll come to you first. Now, if I'm right, as I said, I'm sort of picking this information up on a second-hand basis because I wasn't there. The the nature of their protest was that they, they didn't make as much noise, you know, they didn't generate any atmosphere, they didn't celebrate a goal and all that kind of stuff. Is that, is that the case? I didn't. Um, I was too busy celebrating the goals myself to look over and see whether they were celebrating them or not, so I don't know. They certainly, um, the first three rows, which to me... That seems to be the Union Bears, you know. Right. If it's the ones that wear the uniform, then, you know, there's only about three rows of them. They certainly weren't starting singing, but um, where the Blue Order uh, where they actually started quite a lot of singing um, themselves in the first half. Second half was a bit dead because uh, I think oh, the, game, the, game's done. Yeah, the game's done. Um, everybody was deflated. But um, as I said, I don't know whether they didn't celebrate. I didn't notice um, that they sent, certainly didn't sing or don't think they had any flags or anything like that. Right, okay. Uh, Pete, apparently one of the issues that they're, they're, they're sort of unhappy about is their sort of petitioning the club on the safe standing issue. Now, obviously, we know uh, the Green Brigade at Celtic Park, they've, they've got their, their safe standing section. How do you feel about the whole safe standing thing? I, I must admit, I, I never ever thought I would want to see the days when we went back to standing at football grounds, but that particular section, they stand anyway. You know, so they stand during the game, they, 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 they sing and they dance and they jump about and all the rest of it. Now, if it's safer to have that sort of rail seating thing which stops supporters falling over one another, surely there's an argument to, to, to bring that in. Well, I certainly won't go over to Parkhead to, to, to try out the Celtic one, but I've, I've been to the Dortmund stadium and stood in the, the safe stand in there. And I, I, I actually, if people want to stand and teams are, are willing to put a safe stand in, I have totally no problem with it. I myself, I, I, can't, I couldn't last two hours uh, my back and my legs would be killing me. And plus the fact I'm not that tall, so I'd be moving about all the time trying to get a, a view of the, of the game. But uh, no, I, I, I'm quite impressed with the safe standing in Dortmund. And uh, 
yeah, I've totally no nothing against it. It's uh, if people want to do it, and I certainly think it enhances the atmosphere. I certainly think it does. If you're sitting, you're less likely to start singing and joining in singing if you're sitting. So I think that way it will increase the atmosphere. Uh, that's a, I just I think it's a good thing, and I think that's a thing that uh, should be looked at. But I think Christine came away with a good point last last night, actually, when we were talking with each other, trying to trying to get on last night. <laughs> um, that the handicapped uh, disability section. That is probably should be a priority for Rangers to upgrade rather than safe standing. Safe standing. Would you agree with that, Christine? I know it's yeah, your point. Yeah, definitely. We were talking about this last night, and I, I think the you know the provision of disabled facilities is absolutely key, and we need to get that because the um, the people that go to that um, section have had to put up with what they've got at the moment for too many years, and it's just not. It's not right. Um, so I think that should be the top priority for the club. Um, they haven't. The club hasn't ruled out safe standing. They've they've ruled it out um, to start for the next season, but they're still looking at it. And I think it will come. Um, I just not sure. I don't think the club will want to be dictated to by the Union Bears. Yeah. Um, I think they'll expect uh, some more cooperation from the Union Bears in terms of the song. Uh, song sheet um and you know i think if we're going to put it in we might as well do it right rather than just piecemeal you know well let's just do the union beer section first or the whole of the broomy um i was surprised actually because there was um i think it was greg greg marshall had um sort of put that the survey that the club did um said most people wanted it in the broomy um but is that because that's the best place for it or is that because most of the people were season ticket holders and didn't want it to be in their own section? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's the thing. It's it's where you put it because there is going to be a level of, you know, disruption to people who have season tickets. Now, people have season tickets for a variety of reasons, you know. Obviously, the main one is to go and support their team. But when they get to a certain part of the ground and they think, oh, I'm quite quite comfortable here, I want to stay here and they might even have sentimental reasons you know, they might have sat there with their dad or their uncle or their brother who who might no longer be with us you know, and I think to sort of say right, we're just going to move all these people so we can bring in safe stand and that's another thing that need, that's a hurdle that needs to be negotiated and it needs to be negotiated in the, in the proper manner you know, I don't think, I think it's a wee bit unfair to the union bears to expect this to happen Sort of straight away, if that's the case, you know, I'm as I said, I'm picking some of this information up second hand. But I think you made a really good point about the the disability thing there, Christine, because I don't know if you noticed there was more footage. Just this happened a couple of times with games at Petardry. There was more sort of photos coming out from Rangers yeah. supporters who were in that section yesterday, and it's just a, they're looking at a line of Polis, Polis mm-hmm. and Stewards. They can't, they can barely see anything on the park. And you think to yourself, you know, in this day and age, you know, surely we can we can treat people who, who need to use these facilities as we would treat people who are in the normal the, 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 the normal sections of the ground. Yeah, I think without a doubt, because some of these people they travel everywhere to see the club. I mean, you know, our own um I can't remember what his his handle is on the Forland sister, Forland sister. Forland sister, how could I forget? Sorry, Bill. Um, you know, he, go, he goes absolutely everywhere. Um, and the way they get treated, it's just not right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think that should be the, the priority. There yeah. also is, and I hope everybody that's complaining about wanting safe standing is putting the money into the Rangers pools because that's for stadium improvements. So, you know, you've got to put your money where your mouth is yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I, I, and I get that. You know, the, the pools, I mean, the pools used to be the biggest uh, club pools in, in, in the whole of the UK. I mean, 
the stadium was built on the back of the pools, you know, when yeah. they re the, the, the renovated Ibrox in the 70s, and it's kind of fell away a wee bit. It doesn't seem that in the Rangers news, you know, there were two big things in the day, and they, they've certainly slipped in stature, but the Rangers news isn't with us anymore, and yeah. the pools is kind of limping on, I think, you know. And it is, it's, it's a bit of a shame because there, there were two very, very strong mm-hmm. uh, revenue streams for the club back in the day. Well, I'm not sure if you're aware, Colin, but the Pools has just recently been um, reintroduced. There's right. the Lotto, which people might get mixed up with. There's the Lotto, yeah. but there's also the Pools, and I think just the beginning of this season, it's maybe been... Kind of started up again. Started so, up again. Uh-huh. I always, I always remember when you used to buy, like when I was wee and growing up, when you bought the Sunday Mail on the Sunday <laughs> to see all the results. Both Rangers and Celtic had a section in the Sunday uh-huh. Mail and the sports, but the, the, for the pools, yeah. you know what I mean. And it was just a, a series of numbers which I didn't understand. I didn't know yeah. how it worked, but uh, there were certainly two big, big things back in the day. Right, yeah. Finish up. It's I'm one sorry. thing I can say is that my my father was a. Organize or not organize the pools, but he was one an of the an agent for, mm-hmm. for for years and years, and was really passionate about it. So yeah, I was a pools agent for about two three years back in the day. It was a lotto then, though. You know, it was based on the, the national lottery. So mm-hmm. people got allocated numbers, mm-hmm. and if the numbers came up in the lottery, uh, you but know, they, do you know something? Do you know something, Colin? The the, um, the the days before like the internet, you could pay for things online. If you were an agent, you used to have to go before each game, each home game, and take it to the pools office, which yeah. was in Edmiston House. Well, so I'd, I how I done it, that, I, but... I could either post it, so I would yes. I would collect my money and I would post it, or well, this is about twenty years ago. I was a pools agent. I used to I used to take it through. I used to get every second Saturday off. And mm-hmm. every second Friday off. So the week I was off on a Friday, just for something to do, I would go through to Glasgow with my pools money and hand it in. And it was it was in Emerson House. You would just go in, wee brown envelope with your pools book, post it through, and you got commission. You got I think it was like ten percent commission and all that kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I I rem- I remember those days. I remember them well. One final topic before we sort of wrap it on the heads, Christine. You sort of said earlier on about you know the song sheet of the Union Bears. I mean, if there's going to be any progress on this, you know, and sort of positive dialogue between the Union Bears and the club, is that something they're going to have to look at? I mean, obviously the Steve uh, the Steve Clark incident, yeah. that came for that section of the ground. Well, the, ba- the, ba- the banner that appeared at Hamilton, that, I'm pretty sure that was the Union Bears. Is this something, you know, is that leverage that the club have got on this? Well, the whole thing is, though, you know, you can... You can say, right, clean up your act, but and we'll put in safe standing, and then they put in safe standing, and they go back to, you know, what the club would deem unacceptable. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's quite funny, because I've been in um, meetings with the, the police prior to old fan games, and, you know, we've asked them about the songbook, and they say, cut out the word Fenian, cut out FTP, that's about it. You know, anything else is acceptable. Acceptable, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not a big ask, is it, really? But to be honest, though, that was when we had the um, the acts, the, what was it called? Yeah, the <laughs> Offensive Behaviour at Football yes. Act. Yeah, uh-huh. that's been repealed. Mm-hmm. But I think on the back of everything that's happened recently, mm-hmm. I think there'll be, there'll be moves to try and introduce something. I don't know whether it'll be legislation, but they'll, they'll, they'll definitely try. The, the direction of traffic seems to be heading down the road of of strict liability, so we'll sort of see where that goes. One of the things, Colin, though, that was, was brought up on the, on the Jersnet during the week, the Tanner side, Bear, I think it was, um, he said if the, you move the Union Bears to, uh, what is it, the, the BF3, then the people on both sides of it will have restricted view if they're standing. He said that this is he he was seemingly part of the party that, that was looking into that earlier. And he said that's always been the discussion that if you put uh, the Union Bears into BF three where uh and and unless they fill up the full stand with yeah, the, the full bottom of the Brimlin, yeah. Full yeah. bottom, yeah, then uh then then you're gonna be restricting people's view from the two sides. 
they won't be able to see the the sides of the park. So you wouldn't either need to put it right across the whole uh, back or of the or, yeah, or, or keep them where they are at the moment. Yeah, that's the other option. Yeah. I don't know how what the, the possibility is to move them, some of them, into BF two. Uh, just sort of, sort of a widen it, BF two. I don't know what the possibility is for there. I'm sure there's been. I mean, I'm sure the club have done feasibility studies and all the rest of it, you know, and, and as Christine's sort of indicated, she's sort of suggesting that it might happen at some point. It's just not an immediate priority. I just, as I said earlier on, I just think it needs to be managed in a, in a decent way. And I, I, again, don't want to sort of make any accusations because, you know, I'm picking some of this information up secondhand, as I said, but I, I, I think it's a wee bit uncouth the, the union bears to sort of well, we want that part of the ground when there's people already there. And I think you have to be mindful that people have maybe sat there for years. There's maybe a sentimental reason for sitting there. And you have to find a way to negotiate all these barriers before you get when you want. I don't think you can just say, this is what we want, and this is when we want it. And then when you don't get it, you down tools and say you're not supporting the club in the usual manner and all that kind of thing. It's, I just think in a season when we're trying to, you know, stop Celtic winning the league and we're, we're still in the Scottish Cup. It's a sort of it's a side issue that we could sort of be doing without. I think the timing of it was a bit off as well, to be honest, Colin. I mean, they must have known that Greg and Stuart were, were both away to Orsa last week. Um, So to do it then, I'm not sure where the communication came from from the club to say, no, you're not getting it. That's what they implied. But both Greg and Stuart when asked, said, no, but we've ruled it out for next season, but we haven't ruled it out, so totally. you know, somebody's right. not been um, honest. I didn't want to say that, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, just, it's just one of them, and I find it, I just find it a bit unfortunate and unnecessary, you know what I mean? We're all there supporting the one team, and yeah. you know, I always, always think you should try and be as productive as possible when you know trying to do these things, rather than you know, spitting the dummy out a wee bit and saying this, that and the next thing. However, it is what it is. But I think we should, you know, call it a night there. That's us. We've been on about an hour, so we'll call time on the podcast there. So, Christine, thanks yourself and thanks to you, Pete, for your uh, analysis there. Top stuff, as always. A big thanks to our audio engineer, Graham, as well. We give him a thanks every week, even although he earns his crust for doing hee-haw these days. Uh, Again, I mentioned to Ross Bennett, our other host, who has taken uh, ill and is currently in hospital. Hopefully, he'll be back doing what he does best soon here on Jersnet. There'll be a show next week. Obviously, we've got the Dundee game. It's a Dundee game. We've got the Hibs game on Friday. So, there'll be a show out next Sunday, I would imagine. I don't know whether it'll be live because Jersnet and live don't seem to get get on very well at the moment. Uh, But... As we know, we'll, we'll, we'll get it out on Twitter and on the Jersnet forums and let you all know. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website at www.jersnet.co.uk. Lots of stuff on there, articles, obviously the forums, lots of other Rangers fans talking about Rangers. Great stuff on there, so get yourself on there as soon as you can. And until the next time, bye for now.